let's move on. We're going to be looking at a website here in just a minute. Okay. Again, before you build the site, here's another thing that you need to, need to do. You need to choose a domain name. And that is the thing that people are going to type in to find your website if they want to go straight to your website. So an example would be like goodnewsadvocates.com, bountifulblessingsfarm.com. Um, yes. You need, so you need to choose, and the choosing can be very difficult now because there are so many websites out there. So you need to choose and register a domain name. And I would highly recommend that you get the .com, .org, and .net. Don't worry about any of the others. The I have yet to see a .info or .biz or .anything else rank well in search engine results. I, in theory, it could happen, but I haven't seen it personally yet. So get .com, .org, and .net, and that way, if you have debonair.com, guess what? If I really don't like you, and you haven't registered .org or .net, I can go register them, and I can... Oh, yeah. Well, see, well, see, now I can, I can go register .org and .net, and I can put all kinds of nasty stuff up and say... Yeah, but I can do it and, and really you know, make it life difficult for you. Or a competitor for your woodworking business can take the name that you're using. If you don't control those three domains, they can, they can come in and actually steal some of your business. When you say we need to register three names... One name. One name with three, three extensions. Three extensions, yes. So, for example, I have davidlsharp.com, and if you go look at it, all it's going to say is content marketer, limited availability with a, a, a contact form on there because I'm, I just don't take clients. But I have davidlsharp.com, davidlsharp.net, and davidlsharp.org. There's a separate fee for each one, and it's, it's going to run about $10 a year. For each name. Uh, I'm from Big Sur, mm -hmm. and we have a farm, Castle Valley mm -hmm. Farms, plural. I have no idea why they named it farm. It's just one farm. Really, I don't know if there's an intention of buying property elsewhere. Uh -huh. What would you recommend? It seems like it's I'd get farm. Castle Valley Farm and lock that up too. Yeah, it seems really like hard to communicate to people what my email address is farm. And now here, this brings. Yes. Well, now here's and here's the thing to be aware of. I got two points. I'm glad you brought this up. Well, you can get CastleValleyFarm.com.net and .org. You can redirect those so that it goes to CastleValleyFarms.com. You can redirect any domain name to go to another one. That way, you can say go to CastleValleyFarm.com. They're going to end up, you don't have to make any big changes in the way things are already, or all the things that it's printed on. You know, it's printed on business cards and everything else. You don't have to go change that. 
you can just redirect them and it stays in place. This is a, an important thing though. Make sure that when you choose the name, try telling it to a couple of people first. Yeah, I, here's, here's a challenge I've got. I just told you my, my personal domain. We're talking on the phone. Hi Dave, how do I find your website? I'm, I'm interested in hiring you to do some writing or, or building a website for me. How do I, how can I see what you've done? Okay, I've got a portfolio page on my website, davidlsharp.com. Oh, by the way, Sharp has an E on the end of it. All right, how well does that flow? The very first domain I ever bought was sharpideas.com. What's your website, Dave? Sharpideas.com, S-H-A-R-P-E hyphen I-D-E-A-S.com, all right? Avoid the hyphens as much as you can. Sometimes you, you need them, but for most of you, I would say avoid them. Make sure that it's something that rolls off the tongue easily and doesn't, isn't confused because if, now if I had castlevalleyfarm.com and I'm in Florida here and you're telling somebody, yeah, our website's castlevalleyfarms.com and you can find, you can find out more about what we're growing and, and see when it's ready and so on and they don't write it down or they don't take action right away and later on they're saying oh man that sean guy where was oh, castle valley uh castlevalleyfarm.com i think it was and so now they wait a minute he wasn't in florida was he and they they don't have, you know try to avoid anything that could be confused easily with your competitors even if they're on the other side of the country or on the other side of the world all three of them. Right. Nobody else can do davidlsharp.com right now because I control that or .org or .net. Now they could probably do something else and call me all kinds of names, but I'm not. Everybody calls me names anyway. Yes. It's, somebody would look at davidlsharp.info and they're not going to take it as seriously as .com. Now, would you, uh, even go so far as to say, if I have such and such farm.com or net, I could also do such and such farm. I don't think I would because the, the default in people's mind is to go singular, I think. I think they're more likely to go to the singular version than to the plural version. Unless it's a word that is commonly pluralized. And I'm sure that there are some out there. Nothing comes to mind at the moment, but I'm sure there are some. Uh, I like to know a language that's called Obama and Australia. Okay. Sure. This domain thing is one of, I keep saying these, this is one of the more important things, but it really is because this is how people know you. Look at how it's written. I'm not going to give you examples, but write it out, look at it. Does it depend on commas? I mean, on, on apostrophes, or does it depend on capitalization? 
Um, what happens when you squish all the words together with no spaces? Some th there are some that, like I said, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but you can use your imagination and see that if you put three or four words together, you can end up with the last letter of one word and the first three or four letters of the next word, and you've got something that you don't want associated with you at all. Look at those. Before you spend the money, before you commit to it, look at it. Is there any way this can be misunderstood? Is it going to make somebody snicker when they see it, you know, squished into like a domain? Oh, it's really hard to read. Is it really hard to read? Sometimes, uh, for example, one of the one of our clients is Grants Pass School. P A S S S C H. So you've got three S's in a row right there. It's a little awkward to try to tell somebody or to type it in even. So. You you have to watch those kinds of things, and they, you don't even think about it until you see it happen to somebody else, and and then you snicker and move on. Don't let it happen to you. Okay, considerations. How to register? I use Namecheap. Dot com. Uh, other folks swear by using GoDaddy. Um, there are a number of other domain registrars. I've always been happy with Namecheap. They give me reasonable rates and, and good service whenever I've had any trouble. Um, but find a good, reputable uh, domain registrar. Don't, don't get just on price. If you're shopping just on price, you may be giving up some rights that you didn't intend to give up, and they can shut your website off pretty easily. Every year? Every year. Mm -hmm. $10 to $12 a year. It depends on what services you're getting with it. I have, I've got mine where my identity is blocked. My, you have to give a personal address, a street address, and a telephone and an email address for every domain that you register. I'm paying extra so that that information is blocked so that spammers can't find it. It's, it's filtered through a, a proxy system so that I can get the information, but I don't have people calling my home phone number all hours trying to sell me something. So that costs me another $3 a year. You lose your domain. You, you typically get 30 days grace. So if it ends on January 25 and you didn't pay it, typically they will not resell it until an, an additional 30 days has passed and you can reclaim it. There's a grace period. And, and you get email notices. And they won't resell it No, but I can tell you that there are people who make their living and make a lot of money by as soon as a domain comes off of the, as soon as it hits that expiration and passes the grace period, they'll snap it up and then they'll turn around and, and you say, but I wanted it. And they say, well, yeah, $5,000 please. So it's very much worth your while to pay attention to your email and and, and you, can, you can register for two years in advance. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
and, and different registrars will let you do it for different periods. So it's, it's a matter of how you want to, to do it. But this is one area, this and your hosting, which we'll cover in a minute, you want to make sure that you don't let that stuff slide because this is how you lose your website or it goes down. Um, and it's, a, it's an avoidable error. Okay, choose your platform. How are you going to build your website? What are you going to use? There are many, many options. Please use WordPress. <laughs> I, and I, I suppose that I should say Simple Updates does a pretty good job too because um, he's one of the board members here for the Ag Association and he's the Simple Updates platform is used for the North American churches and schools. It's a reliable platform. Having said that, I prefer building websites in WordPress. It is the most used platform in the world. It has the most extensive support available, the most extensive customization, things that you can add to it, uh, functions and so on. Um, please use that. There's HTML where you're just creating a page using hypertext markup language, which is what HTML stands for. It's coding. It's simple coding, but it's still coding and formatting. Um, I would not recommend this as a general rule because if you build your website in HTML and now you move on, you move on, he comes in and takes your place. He doesn't know HTML. WordPress allows you to work with a visual editor. What you see is what you get, and you can type in. Uh, it's just like typing and dragging and dropping and moving things around. Uh, it's anybody can learn it. HTML takes a little more skill level, and the average person would rather be out there working with the tomatoes than monkeying around with HTML code. <laughs> I no, I'm going to say that almost. I'm going to say that I don't know of anything that you can't do in WordPress that you can do in HTML, because WordPress has a little window that lets you open an HTML editor and you can work right there on that. So if you do know it, WordPress still gives you the the flexibility. Um, beyond what you would get from a straight HTML site. There are multi-site platforms, Wix, Weebly, Squarespace. There's a couple of others, um, and there's one that skips my mind. If you're serious about marketing your business online, please stay away from these. They do not rank as well. I, offhand, I can't say this is, this is a little bit like the, the domain issue. I have never seen, well, I better not say that. This is being recorded and I, somebody will call me and tell me I'm wrong. I haven't ever seen these sites ranking, but that's my experience, what I've seen, not what is. I also know that a year and a half ago, I think it was, Google went delisted. I mean, not just demoted, but delisted. All the Wix sites just disappeared, gone. And my understanding is that when it came back, 
they didn't go back to the same spot where they were. They had kind of had to build up again. Multi-site platforms tend to be cheap. They tend to be very restricted in functionality. You cannot optimize. I don't care what they say in the sales material. You cannot do the search engine optimization and the user experience optimization. You do not have the same control over these multi-site platforms. Wix, we believe, are, have free options. I think maybe even Squarespace has a free option. WordPress is free also, but you have to have a hosting account, and which we'll, we're going to get to next. When you say multi-site platform, does that mean that the, there's the core website and then there's your website just kind of a branch of that? Yes. If we all had Wix websites, they would all be on the Wix platform and the domain would be something like um, davesite.wix.com. Except for this one? <laughs> yes. So the, to reiterate, the, the multi-site platform is everybody's website is, is on a core domain actually is what it's more like. Uh, if you look at the church, the North American Division church websites, they're up until just this this month, the domains for a church have been something like um, it's it's high it was like high springs twenty two Adventist Church dot org. So it's this really long hairy thing. Now you can you can create a domain and redirect it to that but that's still you've still got that hairy looking thing in there and there's other issues but typically it's a reduced functionality in these multi-site platforms WordPress you can well there maybe I should that brings up a point that I need to clarify. WordPress, there are two options. There's WordPress.com and WordPress.org. You can get a website on WordPress's platform. It's a free website and you can build it on there. Please don't do that. What I'm talking about is where you take a copy of WordPress, you install it, and, and I, this is going to sound real scary. Don't blank out on me because we're going to get to the, how this works in the moment. You install it on another web server and you have a freestanding website. That's it. You don't have anybody else's website using that uh, installation. It's yours. You can customize it, you can delete, you can add, you can do whatever you want to. Don't use the free option. Use a hosted option. Yes. Now you can redirect again, I believe, with that, but you still, once somebody gets into the site, they're going to see Dave's site.wordpress. So you want, what you want is the hosted version. And so what you do is you go to a company like, um, 
Site Ground, HostGator, Site 5. These are hosting companies. I use SiteGround now for everything. I have used Site5 and HostGator both, and they, are, they do a good job. This gives you your own account. And without getting too technical, you can push a button. It installs WordPress on, that, on your account. You tell the domain, you know, which domain you're going to use. Um, and it's yours. What I'm doing on my site doesn't interfere with your site at all. So it's a hosting account. Typically you don't need a very expensive one. If you are getting a lot of traffic, you need one with more resources. But typically your entry level site uh, hosting account is sufficient. I you know they they can run anywhere from nine dollars to hundreds of dollars a month, but you know somewhere between nine and twenty dollars is probably what you should expect. So what order do you do this in? You get your domain and then you get your host, or mm -hmm. <laughs> you get your domain. First, you first you make all those decisions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you get your domain. Then you get your hosting account. Then you install WordPress on the hosting account. Then you redirect the domain to the WordPress. And then you can start making the site look like what you want it to and start adding content. I have a WordPress site on HostGator. And I just got my bill to, to read out to the domain. Then you were talking about the .net and the And I thought, where did I? I don't even know how where I went. So I got my bill from HostGator. Mm -hmm. Now? HostGator is also a domain registrar. So yes. Yes. If you got the bill from them and it's actually a legitimate bill and it's actually HostGator that sent it to you, then yes, they are the ones that you registered the domain through, and you can get. Even if you didn't, even if you didn't, you can still use them for for that. You don't have to always use the same domain name registrar. So it sounds like you can get a lot of spam emails if they get hosted You know, most of these companies are pretty pretty careful. Yeah. I don't think I've ever gotten a spam email from claiming to be from HostGator. I haven't. And it's been pretty a long time since I got that sort of thing. I used to get them like for PayPal and stuff. If you have any computer smarts, I don't know, maybe you don't all, you go, well, that doesn't look real to me. When I get an email that says, hey, we need to blah, 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 from this site, click here, I don't mm. click here. Even if it's my own bank, I don't click there. I go to mybank.org right. and look into the comma, whatever they are, and look and see, hey, are they really doing for this? And if they're not, I say to my bank, hey, I got this email, and here's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And that happens with PayPal. I'll get an email once in a while. PayPal will be sending me a bill. I don't click on the link in there. I go to my PayPal account the long way around. And yes, and PayPal definitely wants to know. And the bigger institutions want to know because they go after it aggressively because that's their brand. And, and so they are very particular about that. It's, 
it's not as common as it used to be. You know, four or five years ago, it was quite common. And, and I don't know, the last thing I got was maybe four months ago, and it was kind of a odd thing to see at that point. So it's not going to happen a lot, but just be careful. Don't just indiscriminately click on links. All right. We jumped ahead a little bit and already got this one. When you set up the hosting account, install the CMS, the, the content management system. In this case, we're talking about WordPress. There are other names that you might hear like Drupal or Joomla. Uh, stay away from those. Those are geek things that take lots and lots of work. You make nice looking sites out of them, but they, are, they have a really steep learning curve. Stick with WordPress. Use the hosting company's tutorials. I don't care whether it's HostGator, SiteGround, Site5, Bluehost, any of these companies have good tutorials. That means you can sit there and watch their little video and follow right along and do, do the thing right there. They have set these up so that you can do it yourself. If you know how to point and click, you can do it. It's super intimidating the first time you do it. But these tutorials, you, you know why they put the tutorials there? Because they don't want you calling them and saying, hey, I've goobered up my site, I don't know what to do. They make these tutorials easy to follow, simple, short. It's, it's only scary until you've done it. Once you've done it, you know, you look back at it and say, I'm smarter, and it wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. All right, one final issue here in building the site that I want you to be aware of, security. If you skip this, you die. Your site does anyway. There was, and I don't even remember the number now, in, in November, there were well over a million what they call brute force attacks on websites in a day. I can try to remember the number. Anyway, there are server farms set up in the Ukraine, Russia, a few other places, and all they do is they send out requests to log into your website. And you can get hammered with several hundred of these in a day. They're guessing, what's your website password? Is it admin? It better not be. It needs to be something other than admin. And please don't use password as your password because they're going to get in. And when they get in, you've lost control of your site. They'll change your password. They'll change your username. They will inject code into your website that spreads more, spreads viruses to people who are using. Now your, your name is synonymous with malware and viruses. So there are a few steps that you can take. Again, it's not, it's scary as all get out until you do it. There's a couple of plugins, uh, a couple of things. Let's first use a premium theme. Don't just use a free theme. WordPress is a system, is a bundle of code. You think of it as an engine and the running gear for a vehicle. To build the site, you need what's known as a theme. Think of that as the body of the car, what it looks like, what it feels like, how you navigate through the site, and so on. Please use a premium theme. I use one called Divi, D-I-V-I. 
because it is the most customizable theme I've ever seen in my life, and I won't build a website now without using that as the theme. Premium themes, they have a vested interest in making sure that they're secure. If I'm just building themes and giving them away from free, I don't care whether you get hacked or not. In fact, my free theme might have something in the code that you don't want on your website. Put out a few dollars, buy the premium theme, it's worth it. Usually it's a one-time fee and that entitles you to updates. There's, there's a movement towards subscription models uh, where you pay a certain fee every year or you pay a bit more for lifetime access to get all the updates from now till eternity. Whatever you choose, use a premium theme. And then use a good security plugin. Plugins for WordPress are bits of code like little applications, pieces of software. They're very easy to download and install on your website. Again, there's tutorials on how to do this. Seriously, it's as simple as click, 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 and it's done. iThemes security is one of the two that I recommend and WordFence is the other. Both of these are easy to set up. They are set up so that when you tell it to to go in and set up on the site, it will walk you through. This is what we recommend. Here's why you should do it. You can choose whether you want to follow their, their uh, suggestion or not. And it will score and tell you your site is at risk because you're using admin as your login for your administrator. Yeah, so change it. Uh, it's, it's very simple. Within half an hour, you can, you probably the first time going through, it would take you half an hour to set up one of these plugins. This is a new one. It used to be that this SSL, the secure socket layer, was something that we only recommended for people who were doing e-commerce. Buy my widget, I'll take your money, transact it through the website. This is a security function, it's a certificate type of thing that just validate, verifies that you are who you say you are so that the buyer actually can feel comfortable that you're not stealing their credit card information and they'll have a vacation in Tahiti. You'll see the sites up in the address bar up at the top. It says HTTPS and often we'll have a little lock there beside it. Sometimes the HTTPS will be in green with a little bar beside it that says secure. There's different ways that the different certificates display. This is now necessary for any website that you want to rank well. Google is just about to make this not mandatory, but if you don't have it, you're, you're not going to rank as well. Your positioning in the search engine results is not going to be very good. I just got an email like a week ago saying that I needed an SSL or really would say my site was unsafe. Yes. When I went to WordPress to check it out, it said, you need SSL, you're taking money on your site, which I'm not, I spend a financial total of on And so, um, and that's what actually said on the site, this is only a year ago, so I was like, yeah, don't do it. So, this is like as of two days ago, uh, my daughter sort of alerted me to this thing. And mm -hmm. by the way, if you're really scared, can I have 
Yes. I'm saying yes. It's official. Uh, it's official from Google in the last two weeks that, and, and it will be primarily, to start with, it'll be Chrome browsers. So if somebody's using Internet Explorer or Foxfire, this may not show up. But in a Chrome browser, if you do not have this SSL certificate, when somebody lands to your site or goes to your site, in fact, even when it shows up in the, in the search results, this site is not safe. This is what it originally was for, but now it's for any website, money involved or not. And this is probably something you have to go buy, right? Not necessarily. Up until recently, yes. However, if you use SiteGround, now I don't know about the others, they may be, the other hosting services may be adding this, but I know SiteGround because that's who we're using right now. You go to SiteGround, you get your account, you go into the control panel and there's a little icon there, you click that icon and it sets up a free SSL certificate. You know, it takes moments to do. So, Google sees it as a safe site then. Mm -hmm. So there is a free option. I know if you use, now I, I should say the free option is probably available for all websites. SiteGround has a button set up so that all I have to do is click and it's set up. Others you may have to manually install it or manual, you know, what passes for manual on a computer nowadays. Are there one of the things that I like about SiteGround is that they have built into their process uh, or into their package a distributed network called Cloudflare. So it speeds up the delivery of the pages. So this page load time is a factor in, in getting well, you've got seconds before somebody leaves your website anyway, but Google also tracks how long it takes that page to load as part of how they position you in search results. So that's that and a couple of other things like this free, easy setup SSL certificate. Um, I, you know, this was one of these things that came to me by word of mouth. Somebody that I respect told me about it. I'd never heard about them before. And, and he had started using them and so we checked it out and sure enough it was better than what we were getting and so we made the switch over and I've been happy very happy with it what was that distribution package called something called cloudflare cloudflare mm -hmm. all right we're the time the first was a one year period that they broke in Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things that are changing with this SSL thing in the last, like I said, the last two weeks because Google made this announcement. If your hosting provider does not offer a free SSL certificate, you can ask them if they sell third party. Yes. Most of them sell third party. All right. Design considerations. This is where we're going to start getting into some really important concepts. I keep saying that, don't I? 
It's all, impo it's all important. All right, we're getting into more user experience kinds of things now. Take a look at what is happening in with other websites. Um, one suggestion, I believe the website is crayon.ca. I think that's the site. It has a repository of thousands of websites and you can see what they've where they're redesigning. They were this, now they're this. Gives you an idea of what is happening currently in web design. It used to be that we had dense packed pages with sidebars and uh, lots of stuff. We packed it all in there. Nowadays you're going to see more open, full width sites and I'm, I'm going to show you one here in a minute that I consider to be a really good example of contemporary web design that people are starting to expect to see. So be current. Don't look like there's a, a client that we're working with that, that when we saw their website the first thing we thought of was this is so 1980s. Well obviously the web wasn't around in 1980s but it gives you an idea of what <laughs> how far back we were thinking when we saw the site. So Stay current because people will make a judgment, a value judgment, based on how well your design fits into current contemporary design. Being mobile friendly and mobile responsive is no longer an option. Google ranks your site, where you are positioned in search results has a lot to do with whether your site is mobile responsive. And do you know what mobile responsive means? You load that website on a phone or a tablet. Do I have to scroll sideways to see that page? Or does it all resize down to where it's stuff is, the information stacked on top of each other? That's critical because mobile users don't want to sit there and do this sideways. It's, it's just not, we've gotten used to everything being stacked up nicely. And Google actually is using this as a ranking factor. And on top of that, as you see here, 75% plus of all internet traffic now is done on something about this size or an iPad or tablet. You know, it's, it's gone crazy in the last two years. We used to, a couple of years ago, we, we made this big deal about mobile devices had finally crossed 50%. Well, it's, you know, they're, they're better than three-fourths now of traffic is on a mobile device. So it has to be mobile-friendly. Otherwise, you're going to lose your visitors. The mobile responsive theme automatically takes care of, of resizing and squishing and repositioning things. Uh, one of the things that I like about the Divi theme is that if there's an element that I want to include for desktop users, but it would be a problem for a mobile user, I can exclude it. All I have to do is open up a little window and say, disable for mobile devices. And then they don't see it. I gotta make sure that they get the information some other way, but it's, it's a very handy way of maintaining that mobile friendliness. Page load speed is pretty important, especially on a mobile device that's got a cell connection. You know, you don't always have 4G. Uh, 
my boss was over in Rwanda. He, he had better, better internet connection over there than I had in Tennessee. Um, you know, some places you, you don't have 4G. Some places you don't even get 3G. In my house, I don't even get a signal. So I'm <laughs> kind of out of luck. But that page load speed is a critical ranking factor. A click to call button is it's it's a nice thing to have. It's it tells a mobile user that you're paying attention to the fact that mo people are using these things on phones. And I'll show you one here in a minute. Basically, it's a spot where you can tap on it and your phone automatically calls the number. So I don't have to op stop, write down the number, and then close the website and now open up my phone and dial it in. I can just tap the number and it. It dials automatically. Okay, things to avoid, and maybe some of you, some of you aren't even old enough to have ever seen any of this stuff, but um, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Flash intro or splash pages. Did any of you guys ever see flash pages back? Yes. We used to have splash pages where somebody would land on the website and before we take them to the home page, we show them this really cool animated flash thingy that was kind of a, a it's not, wasn't really a movie. It was, yeah. Yeah, and so I click on a web page and I have to click somewhere else to actually enter. We say click to enter the site or click to continue. I go left. Well, see, here was the thing with these with these flash things. You know, here's this little bar. You get the little spinny wheel. Loading, loading. Click here to skip. Loading. Yeah, takes forever. We got no time for that. Let's just let's just move on. Now. That was something that was really common in the in late 90s, early early 2000s. But you know what? I'm working on a <clears throat> I won't name them, but I'm working on a website right now for a client that has a flash movie that takes up everything above the fold. So the first screen there's this flash thing. So that was the first thing we said. Get rid of that. Don't do it. Do not have anything that auto starts, auto plays of any kind. Your little, your little music back there with the little exploding fireworks over the American flag is really cool, but it's also 1997, and it irritates people. Do not have a movie. And this is my pet peeve. Do not have a movie or a video that automatically starts. Let me choose. I hate video, by the way. I don't. I, I just don't absorb information through video. I read. It has something to do with being a writer, I guess. But I read. And I can't stand you using my bandwidth. I'm on a satellite connection. You know, I said I don't have a cell connection. I don't have, I don't even get hardwired internet. I have to have a satellite connection. And I have, I have to pay for my bandwidth. It's not unlimited. And you have this autoplay stuff in there, and you're just chewing up my bandwidth, and I didn't ask for it. So don't do it. 
cluttered pages. And I'll show you, I'm not going to show you an example of cluttered page, but I'm going to show you an example here in a minute of clean, what I consider clean design. And you can kind of extrapolate what I'd be talking. When I come to a page, make it very clear what I'm looking at. What am I there for? If I'm not on the right page, show me how to get to the correct page. Do not tell me 14 dozen little things all on one page because my attention span isn't going to happen, isn't going to be able to, you know, I'm going to see that clutter and I'm out of there. And I'm not, I'm a little abnormal for my age, but for the younger generation, their, their focus is not any better than mine as a general rule. And you've got seconds before they're gone and off to something else. Don't do dense text pages. Now here's an example. I'll show you one in a minute. I told you I was going to have to tell a couple of stories on myself. How many of you saw the, the conferences page on the Adventist Ag website? You guys all go, go saw that? That's an example of don't do. And I'll, I'll show it to you in a minute for those of you that didn't see it. It's the only page on the website that I had control over this year. Um, and it was on a new platform. Simple Updates did a, a major revision, major update this, uh, I think it was September. I didn't have time to, I tried to put in some pictures to break it up, tried to put in some other stuff and it wasn't coming easily. I had a major projects trying to go on in Rwanda at the same time and because this was a volunteer project I just didn't have time to to get in there and figure it out so you ended up with a block of dense text and like she said she didn't read it well it was all the information in there about the about the conference and what you know the courses that were available and so on but it was it's, it's just it's a bad example and what I was what I finally ended up doing was saying I'm going to try to chunk it so that it can be scanned sort of and it marginal success even there but there's another another thing to another lesson to pull from that learn your platform take the time to learn it and figure out how to do what you want to do I didn't understand the platform very well at that point, and I just didn't have the time to take and sit and figure it out. So I ended up with a substandard page. And we'll look at it in a minute, and I'll, you can see what I'm talking about not doing. All right. I'm going to... All right. This is modern contemporary site design. This is where site design is going, like it or not. This is the type of thing that we're seeing take over uh, design now. Remember I was telling you about the click to call button? Right there. You see that phone number? You tap on it. It's a hot link. It opens up your phone, starts dialing. Right up there are social media icons. Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and the RSS feed. Most of you probably don't ever do anything with RSS feeds, but it's still, there's a lot of people that are using it, so we, we try to include it. When I come to this web page, 
There's the logo right there. Here's the main navigation bar. Notice that it doesn't have every single page on the website. It has just the main pieces that we want. I would, I would change this one here to a different headline, and you'll see why in a minute. But when somebody comes to this site, you can see that there are four things right here that they're trying to catch your attention on at the, the area that we call above the fold, hangover from the old newspaper days. Above the fold, it's that first screen. So remember I was saying that from a, a farm you've got multiple target markets and this design reflects that. Here you have, this, is, this one says, you can't see it right now, but it says the farm. Right here's just a real brief information about the farmer's market that these, this farm is going to and the times and the location. They're, they have a CSA and so there's very brief blurb about it there and a link that you can click on. Restaurants. This farm is set up to sell to restaurants. Okay, we love our local restaurants. And more information about how if you're a buyer for the restaurant you can get more information. What if I don't want a CSA, but I just want to go buy some blueberries? Well, I can click here and see when they're in season and, and get their fresh sheet for what's being harvested right now. I'm going to scroll down, and this is a demo site, so obviously this is you know, nonsense text. This is where I would this is where I would put like a mission statement. Not the whole story, maybe a brief something about it. Now, this is something that that you should know, notice. Where does this start? Somebody lands on the page. What's the first thing they see here? They see pictures. Do they see something that says, Welcome to Dave's Farm. I've been farming since 1982, and I'm growing things that you can't even imagine, and I'm living healthy. I'm so great. I don't use GMO. I use only organic. You see anything in there about me, the farmer? It's about the customer. It's about the visitor. How can we serve you? Here's our farmer's market information. Here's our CSA information, and, and we'll click through in a minute so you can see where those go. Here's the things that we think you, you can benefit from us. And then, when they go down here, now here's Dave's farm. I'm serious about this. I'm serious about organic and sustainability and, and so on. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because that's not what's important. What's important is how can my farm help you? So here's a little bit more about CSA and why you should be involved with it. And then down here is the recipes and news. Do you notice that there's a little bit of information, um, the CSA and the recipes and news right down here on the 
on the home page, there's a little bit more information. It's not just a link. There's a little bit of information there to pull you in. I don't really want pumpkin soup, but I might be interested in 101 things I can do with arugula. Or however that's pronounced. I can't even eat this stuff. So. You know, but there's a little more information there on the home page. It's not just a link. Now you can see the pictures of our of some of our recipes. And then you get down here, there's contact information. There's this is called a footer menu. Um, you might think of these in this particular site design recipes and news. Most of us would think of this as a blog section because this is where you're going to put blog information. There's there's some important links there. There's the social media links again, but right there is one of the most important things. They're capturing the email. Just because the designer put it there. I would put it I would put it up at the top. I would put it personally, I would put it horizontally between this section and this section right here and just have it go all the way across because my focus is collecting emails that's what I want because if I can collect your email I don't care if you join my CSA this year but if I can get your email address I can probably get you to subscribe next year what about for text message marketing you know like we're setting up a fan on Wednesday this week here's what we'll have is there other people collecting like text numbers or is that just if if they will volunteer to give it to you, there's, there's some resistance to it. Some people, it, it depends on your market. If you're, if you're working with millennials, probably, I mean, if that's your market, probably they're going to be just fine with it. If you're dealing with the old fuddy-duddies like me, get off my phone. Quit sending me messages and using up my bandwidth. You know, send me an email. Don't call me. Don't text me. Just send me an email. And this goes back to, you have to know your market. You look like you're trying to funnel in people to become a CSA member because you have a big section on that. Mm -hmm. It's like you're the main entity. Right. Mm -hmm. Usually you put uh, the main, like you say, the main focus of what you're trying to do you put a little additional information on there. So that's a, a good observation there that that's probably what they're after. All right. This is a WordPress site built with the Divi theme that I was telling you about. Um, now let's take a look at some of the links. You notice you can click here or you can click down here. It's both going to go to the same place. All right, now I can tell my story. Now I can tell you how long I've been in business, how long I've been farming, how I learned how to farm when my dad made me go out and pull weeds when I was two years old. Now I can do that. And, but notice, see these links in here? This, this link goes to the contact form. This link goes to the CSA. This one goes to the, to the fresh sheet. There's a picture of the uh, 
fun. Some more pictures. Do you notice how there's not big, dense chunks of text? It might even be appropriate to put a video in here somewhere. Take a look at their CSA page. Here's, instead of having a frequently asked questions page, the de designers put the frequently asked questions right here on the CSA page. So when you click on that, this is called an accordion module. And so these open up for more information. Notice over here, this isn't just a, an average contact us form. Notice right here, you can choose which share you want. Do you want a full share or a half share? It's got the price right there. I would also make this link to a shopping cart where they can actually make the payment right there. Maybe they choose to, maybe they don't. But you can do that. You don't have to have a credit card processor. You can use PayPal or Stripe for that. It's easy to set up and people are, you know, five years ago, it was not such a, you know, if you had PayPal, it was kind of a sign that you weren't all that serious. But now it's, everybody's got PayPal on their websites. May or may not be a question you want to answer right now. Can I, I've got, you know, seven or eight books on here you can buy. Mm -hmm. Can I have them all linked to one particular PayPal spot? Or do I have to, one of the things I have been having trouble figuring out, if I wanted to stop my site, which right now I don't, you can get it anywhere, so, you know, there's mm -hmm. not any place you're going to want it on the old Kobo. But, um, can I have several, okay, here's the question. Can I have several different products that all go to a PayPal site where they can pay a given amount for that product and send it down there? Yes. It's very simple. You just create different buttons. You go into PayPal and create a button for each book. Uh, it's, it's not difficult. Well, I'll say it's not difficult the second time you do it. <laughs> notice, notice here, this is what crops they're expecting to have in the spring. There's what they're expecting to have in the summer. This is what they're expecting to have in the fall. So, lots of information that serves the site visitor. This is the one that I would redo a little bit be just because it's, it's not as well, uh, it, it's not as clear in my mind that farm to table actually means restaurants, but um, now there's a little bit of information there. And then a contact form for the restaurant owners and chefs. This is, not your, this is not just the general contact us form. This is a special one. So when I get that in my email box, the subject line tells me, or something in how I've set that up, tells me that this is from a restaurant connection. Not just not a CSA connection and not somebody who just wants to know if they can apprentice on my farm. And again, same footer menu. So here's their blog section. Notice the the picture 
and a brief pullout about the, you know, it's, sometimes this is a summary, sometimes this is done as, as the first two sentences or so of the actual post, the article. So I want to read more, and I've got to go. I've got to click here to keep reading, and then I end up with with what most of us would be more familiar with a a blog, looking at a blog because you over here you've got the recent posts and the categories and, and archives and so on. Um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, notice that this one's got recipes and story. Why would it be important to put recipes in for CSA? Yes. Exactly. And and the more the funny thing is is probably the more upscale of a clientele you have, the worse it is. But the more they'll buy. And the more important it is to them because this yeah, and and in the local, I don't know. This is stereotyping, but this is what we do as marketers. Your upscale clientele, it's very important for them to buy locally. There's a lot of virtue signaling that's going on. That's that emotional hook. The virtue signaling. We buy local. We eat from. We support our local CSA. We're special. But it sounds like you've had some connection with that with your husband's artisan work. Well, we it was, ourselves. Yeah. So my husband and I would say develop a team now with a knife and a piece of string mm -hmm. and we can live and actually the string is off so because of the spinner and I developed it in the piece of the time. <laughs> but there's, but that you, if you are knowing your market, and we're going to go into more in depth in the in the content marketing section about how to know your market. If you know it, then you know that they. This is important. This buying, you know, you could splash buying locals content all over this site. If you know that you have an upscale clientele, that 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 virtue signaling is really important. That they're getting local produce and that it's very that it's a high value to them man use it on your site you had, a, had your hand up uh, yeah I just thought uh, we were talking briefly about upscale and this niche, niche group that we've kind of developed over time I don't know why they just they know what we're doing I guess and they're interested in it but what we did is we dropped a little hard copy of some recipes for the vegetables that some of them 50 percent of them they don't even know how to use them mm -hmm. Overjoyed with tasting something different, something new, and uh, we provided four recipes, several tasty recipes, um, and they really appreciated it. Very successful. Mm -hmm. 
I've heard of CSAs that do that with every delivery that they've got some new recipes or cooking suggestions or something of that nature in there. And and you're giving them an experience. You know, you're not just selling food. Yeah. Now you're selling an experience. Right. It's it's such an opening that we should be taking advantage of very definitely. It is. You can't. You can start out. You can start out. There are there are themes. There are templates that you can use to kind of give you a jump start on it. But you still have to write your your content. You have to know your market. You have to write content in here. You have to figure out which recipes they're going. You know, rhubarb may not do any good out in Utah. Right. The homepage is the same, the farm story is staying the same each week. But so there's two or three things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Which furniture you're making right now, or your one of the things if you make something they do once or a couple times a year is put up by picture, picture by picture, the story of the making of this one thing. And then you don't do it all the time, but then you can it looks like you're talking about emails or writing these questions and pictures. And it is. And and here's the. I'll go into a little more detail a bit later on this, but it is a huge issue for businesses of any kind. Because you're good at your business. You're good at making wood stuff. You're good at growing sweet potatoes. You're good at, at man, I, if I were trying to do a CSA, I'd probably starve to death and, and have to return all the money because I'm not sure I could, could be sure that I'd have the crops ready for everybody on time and, and in the quantities that I had sold and so on. We all have specialties, things that we can do. The challenge with online has always been that it's, it's very low barriers to entry, has been conventionally or historically. It's been low barriers to entry. It's knowledge, 
primarily what you have to have. It doesn't cost a lot. I can set up a, a marketing campaign online for a tiny fraction of what the similar reach would have caused cost before the internet, you know, with print and advertising and all that. It, so it's considered cheap and easy, but it's not. If you want to, if you want to get your traffic to your website through search, you know, you want people who are searching on Google for stuff to find your stuff. You're looking at two years and probably a lot of money or a lot of time that it's going to take you to, to be able to compete because all marketing has become digital. It's all digital now. And so you've got big players in there, which is not such a big deal for local farms, but if you're trying to sell um, woodcrafts globally, now you're competing with China and you're competing with Indonesia. And, and you can't do that because they have, they have positioned themselves as the cheapest. So now you've got to, you've got to find a way to, to position where you can beat them or you can find the niche that's looking for what you have. But, like you say, you, don't have, you probably don't have time or the inclination. Here's one thing it has become that you know when I started doing these training sessions it used to be yeah you can go do it yourself but but now it's well like I said at the beginning I at at worst, I'm hoping that you will have a clear enough picture of what's involved in all this so that you can, if you can't do it yourself, you can find somebody that can do it for you and you can say, look, I, no, I don't like that design because it's too cluttered and I know that I'm not supposed to have cluttered design. If, if you can have that big picture awareness of, of what good online marketing is like, then you know, in some cases that's the best you can do. How long to set up the original site? If it depends, and, and I, I hate that answer personally, but it depends. Do you want something off the shelf? Are you okay with something off the shelf? Or are you, do you want something, you know, say you wanted to take this. If, if there were no customizations, I could take that and set that site up and probably 20 hours or so have all the content that you needed and, and everything set up and ready to go. But that would mean pretty much no major changes to the order of things. Uh, maybe a color, maybe we could go to brown instead of green. Uh, but you know, no, no major design changes. Content and all that, probably 20 hours for me. Now for you, 40. You know, I, I you know, and, and it's it's not a reflection on on your intelligence or anything. It's just that I do this, I do this all the time. So, mm -hmm. so you know. 
if, if you were going to build a rocking chair, how long would it take you to build one? It'd take me a month, and I'd probably have to do it over three times. Right. Everybody has a specialty, and it's... The challenge that you have to watch for, the one thing you've got to watch for with the college students, they're good designers, but they don't have enough life experience yet to be good marketers yet, as a general rule. So if you if you know what you're after for design, that's a, that's a good option. So. Yeah. So here's the question. Is it better to have gone to WordPress as an ignoramus and learned something, tried to use these principles and have something that's not as good maybe as it would be, or is it better not to have anything until you can have it really like <laughs> It depends. <laughs> I, 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 you know, because in some cases, maybe, maybe a a billboard site, you know, something that's static that doesn't change a lot. Maybe that's maybe that's good enough. But if you are if you've got competition, um, you know, it, a lot of this has to do with what with what is your competition doing. And again, this is something we'll look at in the content marketing section. If they're not doing much, it doesn't take a whole lot for you to stand up. You know, the one-eyed man is king in the land of the blind. Now, if someone, if you hire somebody to do it, how much does it take to update it? Is that pretty easy? There's two levels of, of updating and keeping it. Yeah. One is at the technical level, and that's the backing, backing up the information so that the site, if the site crashes, that you can recover the information. That's very, very critical, and I didn't cover that, but we had a client, uh, we just finished building a website for him, and about two weeks later, something happened to his website that we didn't do, uh, but it crashed. It evaporated. Well, fortunately, we had a backup system that had been put in place, and so it was able to be recovered. That, that and security, um, handling the little problems, that's one layer of maintenance. You can set up stuff to automate it and let you know when there's a problem. That can be done, but it takes a little bit of time for you to do it yourself. If, if you want to put in a new, you can do that yourself. That's one of the beauties of WordPress is it's, once you know how to move around within WordPress, a couple of hours of practice, you should be able to go change prices, add a new recipe, Change a headline. Yeah, it's that's not that's not too hard. It's where where you run into the time is the strategy, building your strategy, building the site, and getting it. You know, 
in some ways, this looks kind of simple. I've simplified it a little bit. There, there is a lot to getting a site off the ground. I, you know, we've we've done I've done websites in three weeks, and I've had another project that took a year and a half. So, you know, it's it just depends on the complexity and what you're what you're trying to accomplish. And then here's the contact form. Notice that again, they're hitting several different elements. This isn't a, just a, a contact farm. It's come see us at our farm. Join the CSA. Restaurants, remember, we, we have better sweet potatoes. Um, now, so there's, there's this information, and then there's a map and the contact form. And notice that here again, in each one of these little blurbs, the number is hot linked there, so that all you have to do is tap it, and it starts ringing. That's if you're on your phone. That's if you're on your phone. Please don't do it if you're not answering your phone. <laughs> oh, true. Right. See, it it has the the telephone. It it should be, but I think they didn't do it because right here's the the right. So yeah you you might say you might say call us for directions or yeah if when you subscribe we will send you directions to our farm <laughs> so yes there are a lot of little picky details in here but it gives you a sense of big picture what does clean design look like uh, what what can be done uh, and how you ought to go about tackling it. Okay. All right. Here's the infamous page. Since registration is closed, a couple of the links have been removed. I had interspersed links through the whole thing so it would be very easy to find. But notice, words, 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 and more words. Can you store the graph before last on Evidence today about this, this, this about that address, linking it from the conference? I said that the website was user-friendly and easy to navigate. You can change how you get off and get on. So this is a prescription. So how would you break that up? Pictures is one of the first things I would do uh, because you can break these blocks up with pictures, graphs, any kind of, of graphic element. It doesn't have to be a picture. It could be uh, I don't know, just a little icon and break it up more so that it's, uh, now let me see. See, right, they were... Of course, we needed to have a little bit of, of beginning information and 
Then the conference details. This was actually the most important part here was the details of what, to exp what was available on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Or even just some little graphic, whether it was a whether it was a vector image, you know, like a, a cartoon image or an actual photograph that's relevant to beekeeping. I don't know, a bee, a little graphic of a bee would have done well there. And then here's the second section. And these tracks could have been illustrated by a picture or something. I didn't understand what it meant. And when I got here and got this, and it said conference uh, one, two, three, four, five, I was still the one I found it. Oh, this is one. It's the one I picked, and I've got six pictures to go through. Yes. Yes. So even even those of us who do this all day long still can run into challenges with it. And and I have to say that in part the challenge with this one was because I was doing it as a volunteer and I didn't have the access to the services of my editor. I've got one of my team members is a trained editor and she keeps me on track for this kind of stuff. And so you know, it, trying to work too fast and not, not having my editor, I got a little sloppy. But this is not how you want to do your page. Well, she helps me with the flow of things, too. Because I tend to just knock out, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to knock out a thousand words of, of copy for a, a web page. <clears throat> but you don't want to do that. You want to break it up. So you're saying basically it's a picture, maybe with a link, a separate page for each one of those things, categories. I'm not sure if I would go with a separate page because you want to minimize how many clicks. Um, a rule of thumb that we use in designing a website is that any page should be no more than two clicks away from the other page, any other page, especially the home page. It's not always possible, but if you can do it, then you don't have somebody that a visitor gets lost in a rabbit hole trying to find the information that they want, and now they can't figure out how to. You wouldn't believe how many websites you'll see that don't give you a way to get back to the home page. Every, every single page needs to have that. And now this one doesn't have the footer menu, but we put it on the top and bottom. So, and that's being considered best practices now to have the, the footer menu is kind of like what we used to have, the site map, where you had all the links that were possible. Now we put them in the footer so that you can see it all at a glance. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.